Welcome to the REM Breakdown. Hey, it's JD here, and I'm joined as always by Rico Borrego to discuss the work of seminal alternative band REM. Every week, we'll explore a different song in the band's catalog, going in chronological order to better understand just why this four piece was so influential innovative, and downright awesome. We're from two different generational cohorts, so our experiences may differ. So there's that. How are you doing this week, Rico? Well, I'm doing great. I've been very excited for today to finally start this podcast with you. Yeah, me too. I've been thinking about it a lot this week. I'm honored you picked me, because I know there's probably a lot of other people maybe more qualified to, you know co-host the rem podcast oh i disagree i've been reading your on the on the rem subreddit i've been reading your song of the week you know uh not religiously i read the tragically hip one religiously but the rem one i pop in on all the time and you've got your thumb on the pulse i i really feel as though you're a, a great representative for both your generational cohort and to represent this band I appreciate those kind words. And, you know, I've been listening to you for the last couple of years when you've done both your Tragically Hip podcasts. So, you know, I'm just excited to be part of your, you know, your next journey. And yeah, R.E.M. is definitely in my top favorite band. So, you know, no better other way to do this. Yeah. So where do we start? I guess we start at the start, right? Yeah, you begin at the begin. That's all oh, nice. Nicely played. <laughs> <laughs> so that takes us all the way back to July 14th, 1981, when Bill Berry, Michael Stipe, Peter Buck, and Mike Mills all got together with Mitch Easter and recorded what is now known as the hip tone version of Radio Free Europe. What are your thoughts on this song? You know, Radio Free Europe, when I first heard it, um, and I got into the band way after they broke up, you know, yeah, okay. and I got into their later period stuff, um, their Warner Brother period. And when I finally made my way back to Murmur and, you know, even back further, Chronic Town and, and to the single, um, I think the thing that surprised me most is how much energy they had. Which yeah. makes sense, I guess, because they were all young back then, but like they really were putting in a lot of work into these early songs. And it's it's kind of actually incredible how polished even this hip tone version is compared to what would later appear on Murmur. Like it doesn't sound like a demo to me. It sounds like a fully finished product. I completely agree with you. It's it's a blueprint for what they are in the IRS years. You know, it really, it's got a a sound and a vibe that just resonates. And the fact that they are that fully formed this early on is, is indicative of just how great this band is, you know, to compare it to athletics. Uh, oftentimes there are people that just excel at their sports and they just, you know, they, they can't explain why they're so good. But they just are. And I feel like R.E.M. is that in music. Like, they they were a savant, like, right off the bat. 
Yeah, and they really, you know, listening, especially to Radio Free Europe, it's like they were kind of taking like a post-punk sound and, you know, kind of weaving it into some like almost new wave. And it's it's a very yeah. unique sound. And, you know, although I wasn't even alive when the song was released, like <laughs> I can imagine, you know, if you're in your 20s and, and you're going to college, like this is the music to listen to at that time. Well, I'm just trying to think. Going back to 1981, I was I was seven, um, so yeah, it was before my time in terms of like finding music. I was listening to top forty music at that time, probably, you know, just whatever my mom and dad had on the radio, or my sister, my older sister, listening to Kiss and things like that. But um, I I think that uh, I've lost my train of thought. Shit, <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. I mean, we'll no, by that's, the seat of our pants here. You know, it's important to think about what was going on, you know, in that time period. That's and, what I was, that's yeah. what I was talking. <laughs> There's nothing else that sounds like, like maybe Elvis Costello, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. But like, what else was going on at that time that sounded like Radio Free Europe? And it's, you know, it's so funny too, because like, you know, I know the band was, you know, like Michael Stipe. Uh, Bill Berry, you know, they were influenced by like Patti Smith and the Velvet Underground. And it's like, you can kind of hear a little bit of that even in, you know, this first single, but they totally put their own spin on it. And I think the thing I like most about Radio Free Europe is it kind of has all of those REM trademarks already. Yeah. You have, you know, those gorgeous Mike Mill backing vocals. Yep. You have those trademark. Peter Buck arpeggios in the pre-chorus. That's right. Bill's drumming is just like energetic throughout the whole thing. And then you have Michael who's, you know, at this time, maybe not delivering coherent lyrics. And even he admits to that, but like the melodies are just so catchy. They're so hooky. And I feel like that's kind of what they would run with for, you know, Murmur and every other album basically going forward until they decided to experiment, you know? Yeah, it's very mumbly, but it's, it's, you're right. It's so melodic. It's so melodic what he does with, you know, almost creating like a soundscape with his voice. Yeah. And people didn't, you know, people even today go, oh, I never knew what the words were. And I didn't care because it's just, it sounds so good. And you just kind of hum your own words when you're singing it and watching <laughs> live performances of them doing this song, whether it's on Letterman or, you know, at their, their early concerts, Michael starts kind of making up lyrics throughout the song. He's kind of finding the words as he's going. And I think that's a really cool kind of aspect to this song specifically. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Dude, the bass work in this song is dazzling. Like, it, yeah. it, he is all over the fretboard at some, uh, uh, you know, uh, it, it just sounds so great on on headphones you know and it's very interesting the way like he knows mike mills knows when to hold back and you know maybe let peter take over and then there's other other times where he like knows when to start playing a counter melody you know that kind of gives the song a new life and peter does the same thing too like you know the beginning of the song it's a lot of just down plucking and chords at the very end and then you get to that pre-chorus 
and he's doing those arpeggios. Oh, it just, it sounds beautiful. It really opens the song up. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. It's a, it's a, it's a nice piece of, (laughs) it's a nice piece of work. And it's really interesting too, that they, you know, record this song and, you know, we'll, we'll eventually get to chronic town and to murmur that it's, doesn't make it on Chronic Town. Very and strange. Then gets re-recorded for Murmur. And I, th- I, from what I read, the band definitely preferred this version, the Hiptone version, over. Oh, really? Yeah, they they think even though they agree that maybe the production's a little outdated and it's not totally polished, they just liked the performance they got on, on this version and. They prefer it's it's definitely a little faster. Yeah, it's it's like, the tempo is is much more, uh, you know, swinging. Uh, yeah, and um, I want to say I read to Peter at the time when they re-recorded it for Murmur and he heard it, he like broke the record in half because he are was you just kidding. Yeah, no, he he was he was pissed at the way it sounded. Wow. But, you know, I think at the time they're like, we, we probably can't really argue with, you know, these people who've just signed us. Right. Dad, I have uh, no idea. I I do really like this version of the song. Uh, and I, I, another thing I like about it too is, and they, I, they really, the band, this band does this a lot in their earlier songs is they really hold off on that chorus. They go verse. They go pre-chorus, and you think you're going to get a chorus. They take you back to a second verse, second pre-chorus, then hit you with Then the you get the payoff. Yeah, it's a little reward, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I like that. And and, and again, going, going back to the lyrics, they don't really mean anything. And in fact, Michael actually wrote, he changed some of the lyrics when they re-recorded it from Murmur. Oh. And I went back and kind of listened to both, and read along to what people post online, even what people post online isn't correct. Like some people think in the pre-chorus, he's saying Ray beam. And then other people think he's saying radio. And if you kind of go back and listen, I I did too. But then I was listening to the hip tone version and I'm like, he does kind of sound like he's saying Ray beam, but I'm like, that wouldn't make sense. But I mean, the song to it's Michael Stipe. (laughs) Exactly. Like, and radio free Europe. Um, I know in the uh, I Feel Fine compilation set they released, um, in the liner notes, Mike mentioned that the they chose the title Radio for Europe not based on the actual U.S. broadcast system called Radio for Europe. They just picked that as a name because it sounded cool, he said. It does sound cool. Like, yeah. it, does, it does sound cool. Like, it, it sounds uh, are both artistic. And uh, sort of mysterious at the same time. Especially for your first song that people are hearing, you know? Right? Like, yeah, you, you're like, what, what is this? Who is this band? Are, and even like their name, R.E.M. Like, mysterious. It's, yeah, it's yeah. mysterious. It's not too weird out there. Like, you know, people know Rapid Eye Movement, but it's like, who is this band, you know, from Athens, Georgia? Like... You know, I, I can't imagine what people first thought when they, they heard the band, they heard this song, and when they, when they saw them live, too. Because I know, starting out, you know, a lot of their career was based on their live shows, you know. 
Well, Stipe is so enigmatic, you know, as a front man, it's, it, he, he, he almost creates the template for the alternative front man, you know? Yeah. I, you know, reading online, a lot of people, you know, think him and, and the band kind of paved ways for like indie music, you know? Sure. 90s. And Absolutely. 2000s. I mean, not only did they influence, you know, uh, like Cobain and uh, Pavement, bands like that. Um, but, you know, they, they, you're right. They, their IRS years sort of formed a foundation for indie rock. And then their Warner Brother years, they, they made it clear that they weren't going to, you know, like, even though they had taken a big money deal, they didn't sell out. Like it's still great music. And, and, and I think that that helped a lot of alternative bands sign major label deals, like, because, you know, rather than stick around with sub pop or Maverick or something like that, um, you know, they were able to parlay their back catalog into a, a nice deal. Uh, at the time, I remember it being one of the biggest deals in music history. Right, like it was a five or six album deal for like I want to say eighty million dollars or something like that. It's crazy. Yeah, and as as someone who what you know wasn't listening to them at that time, and you know just being born, you know I think I was born the same year that New Adventures came out. Right. It it's crazy that like when I first heard of them, I didn't know any of that history, you know. And I'm like, just listening to the songs. Like, I know their name and I've heard some of their songs on the radio before, but going back and, and reading the history, it's like, you know, they were so important to so many bands to come and, and just the way everything kind of was dealt after them. Yeah. All right. Well, let's spin the track. Uh, this is Radio Free Europe, the hip tone version on REM Generations.
So my immediate thoughts are, it sounds more, there's more room noise in this version than there is on the other version. And that might be what you meant by the production earlier. Like it sounds reverby, you know, like yes. it almost sounds like it's recorded in a bathroom, you know, like the, a lot of bands used to do. Um, tiled walls, that kind of thing. I, but I kind of think that's the charm of it. You know, yeah. I think that's probably why a lot of people prefer this version. Cause you know, it, it just, it sounds true to them probably at that time. Right. Um, is that the consensus? Most people, like, I know you said the band prefers it, but do, do fans prefer a it more? A lot of fans do. I don't know if I would say the majority, but, you know, from what I've seen online, a lot of bands do. Now, a lot of fans who grew up with it, the original version, I think that's why they prefer it. Uh, it's one of those things, I think the one you heard, the one you listen to first is usually the one you prefer. It's yours. Yeah. And... I can't even decide which one I prefer, but it seems like a lot of people who, you know, heard the band the first time through the original version, they, they prefer that one. Uh, hmm. Both have a interesting intro though. And this one I read was, uh, they created this intro with like a synth. Oh, really? I don't, I don't know exactly how they did, but it, it has that really kind of weird. That's how I always know which one is which. Cause this one has like a faster kind of weird synth intro. The Murmur one has its own kind of longer intro. Who um, plays the synth on it? That I, I want to say it was it was Mitch. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think because I want to say too on the Murmur version, um, in the in that core no, in that bridge, there's some piano being played, and I think he did that as well. Oh. But in this version, I listened back, and I, I don't think there's any piano in this version. The bridge in this version, I think, it, it does have some extra kind of percussion in the back, but okay. um, yeah, uh, it's this one I think is a little bit, like you said, the production, it's more stripped back. There's not as yeah. much going on. Right. Um, but I mean, it's still like, it's so good. Like, the second Bill comes in with those drums, yeah. like, you're hooked. And he's yeah. just doing simple like four on the floor beat, but yeah, it's I think it's like the the tempo. I I really love when a band starts with just a quick tempo, something that can get your head moving. Yeah, was there a B side on yes. Radio Free Europe? Uh, yes, the original disc. The original one had "Sitting Still," which oh. would make it on uh, "Murmur." And um, they actually, last year for the, what would it be, the, the 40th anniversary, yeah. Yeah. they re-released the original hip tone on vinyl. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I got it, yeah. And uh, Sitting Still, and it's a different version of Sitting Still as well. You, you could tell it's like an earlier version. Like a, not quite a demo, but basically kind of just like this version of Radio Free Europe. Right. Like a... Uh, like a... Oh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for. Um, yeah, it'll come to me. It's not a big <laughs> deal. Uh, but yeah, like this version definitely too, as we mentioned before, it's definitely faster in tempo. Yeah. Which which I do like. Yeah. Um, and I really enjoy the way, because I don't feel like a lot of R.E.M. songs do this where the beginning, you really kind of have, you know, Mike Mills is playing those, those eighth notes on the bass. And he's really just in sync with Peter. And they're just, they're playing really simple until you get kind of the pre-chorus where 
you know, they change it up to kind of open the song up. And especially too, when you get the pre-chorus, that's where Michael really takes the vocals and he's doing those, those long notes. And how, like how great is this debut? You know, like I, I can't think of many debuts that are, that a band comes out with this kind of swagger and this kind of, uh, power, you know, like right off the bat, it's yeah. pretty, it's pretty out there and it sounds and it, similar to the the rest of their work, you know? Yeah, and that, and that's really hard because, you know, and I'm probably going to go back to the hip a lot just because that's a band you and I both love and sure. you know your other podcast um their first ep i think sounds so different to their yes. first debut album up to here yeah and there's like a huge i feel like quality gap not to say their debut ap you know is bad by any means i know but, what you mean you know it's just not there yet to up to here and i don't even think up to here is as good as you know the next two albums but here it's kind of different here like they kind of knew what they wanted right right off the bat, which is impressive. How long had they been a band? Do you know before they recorded this single? Um, I th- not long, right? No, not long. I mean, I I want to say that they went in the studio, um, shortly after their first show, which was uh, April fifth of nineteen eighty. Okay. And, um, it was kind of weird doing a little research for this version because online, it almost makes it seem like they did a version with Mitch and then it almost made, they almost made it seem like one of the executives at hip tone heard it and didn't love the way it was like mixed or, or something. And it almost sounded like they they did like another version, like a third version. Like the third version would be the one on Murmur. But I couldn't find anywhere online where there's more than just the two that we know. Um, okay. So I, I don't know if that's just someone misremembering or or whatnot. But I I do know Hip Tone where it, it kind of seems like the band maybe didn't love working with them. Oh. Um, but... It, you know, it also seems like I think they, you know, again, with Murmur, they also had some issues with with production. And when we get to Murmur, it's interesting because there's I think there's one or two songs where they actually had another producer produce the song. I didn't know that. Um, and because uh, I know when when I do my songs of the week on on Reddit, there are a couple Murmur songs where you can hear demos from an, another producer and they sound totally different. And a lot of the time it's just the producer adding on stuff in post and the band didn't like that, like adding on synths and stuff. Oh yeah. And doesn't I think that would have made it outdated. Yeah. Cause this doesn't, besides the production, this song does not sound outdated to me. No, I agree with you. It does not sound 40 years old. Uh, it no. doesn't have that gated drum sound that was so prominent in the eighties. You know, it doesn't have like layers of mulch, you know, over mm-hmm. top of all these tracks. It's, it's just, I don't know. It's probably eight tracks and it's, uh, it's rock solid. I, I can't believe how fast it happened for this band. Their first show was what? April 15th, 1980, you said? Yeah. And then like less than a year and a half later, they've got a single on the radio. Yeah. I'm April like, 5th. The yeah. They're, and then, yeah, I mean, it's, 
it's crazy how how fast it happened and you know like it's from what i read it seems like especially with the college kids they they already had a big following right and i think those live shows definitely helped yeah um, and there's definitely some really cool versions, the live versions of Radio for Europe that you can watch on YouTube that, I mean, again, the band, they, they look confident when they're playing the song. So wild. And I just, yeah. And it's, it, they almost have more confidence than, than they even do albums later. And, and maybe that's because they're wanting to experiment and change a little bit, but like this time period, they, they just knew what they wanted. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, again, I think the one of my favorite things about R.E.M. is kind of Michael's evolution. Okay. Talk to me about that. Because, you know, on this song, there's the lyrics. They're great because they the words that he's singing, you can just kind of sing along and, and sing a word that sounds similar, right? <laughs> yeah and you know reading some of the lyrics you know where he's singing straight off the boat where to go you're kind of like okay is he referencing this or that and then of course you're like looking at the title radio free europe and you're like okay is he making like is this like a political statement or something and but at, at this time no it was just whatever sounded good to him whatever the band thought would would work in a song and you know i and i like that 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 happens a lot on this first song because i think once once we even get into uh chronic town i think already michael's starting to like okay maybe i do need to have some more substance in the lyrics um and that's something i always appreciate with any songwriter um you know same with with gore downey in the hip you know like his song writing definitely changed from the first EP to the first album, then from the first album to the second album. Oh, like light years, light years. But Michael's voice in this song, I think, I don't think he really changes his voice too much throughout the years. And, and that's something I really appreciate because there's some bands where sometimes the singer almost goes out of their way to change the way their vocals sound. Right. But from the very beginning from this song, he's singing. There's moments like in the verse where he's singing kind of fast and when he's singing like the push that, push that, it's but then like when he gets to the the pre-chorus, he's he's belting it. He's letting it he's letting it all out. Yeah. He's got a powerful voice. He really does. Yeah, it's very it's very versatile too. Yeah. And it works with the it works with the band. Like they're all versatile. Oh yeah. Like they're all they're all so good at their instruments. You know, already at this point. Yeah, I think I think Bill Barry is an extremely underrated drummer. Interesting. Yeah. He he I don't think he gets talked about enough. No, probably not. I mean, I think you could say that maybe for every band member, Mike Mills, you know, like like his harmonies are just as important to any band who who's known for harmonies. Van Halen, you know, like yeah. He's right up there with being able to deliver the perfect counter melody or harmony to Michael's voice. It's so strange that it works so well together. Like how did they find one another? You know? I, yeah. And it's weird too, because um, Michael and Peter 
they first got to know each other first. They met at a record store that uh, Peter worked at. Ah. And he, Michael went in to buy the records that Peter was saving up for himself, like setting aside. So they're like, oh, okay, we like similar music. Patti Smith, Velvet Underground, Bowie. And then um, I think they... They were some up through a mutual friend. They were introduced to to Mike and Bill afterwards, and fateful. It's yeah, like it was just meant to be. Yeah. The the very last thing I want to say too with Radio Free Europe is I love that it's almost it's like a dance song. Like when I hear it, I want to dance, <laughs> but it's not like a disco song, and it's not no. like a corny 80s song you know like it's it's has a little bit of that punk feel but not taken so seriously as punk you know yeah, i would agree with that and yeah. like you know it kind of they're hinting at new wave and they kind of get more into that i feel like with murmur and and um chronic town but yeah the, this first single they were just able to to strike gold agreed well, it's been great talking to you about Radio Free Europe, the hip tone version, Rico. Uh, let's do this again next week, and we'll talk about Wolves Lower. Oh, yeah. Getting into the first EP. That's right. Well, that's what we've got for you this week. Uh, on behalf of Rico, this is JD saying blink your eyes, and we'll be back. Thanks for listening to the REM Breakdown. You can find more information at rembreakdown.com. Email us at the rembreakdown at gmail.com. And hey, we're social. Find us at REM Breakdown. Podcasts and such. <laughs>